You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. The Bian Lian Gang's pivot. Hinatabot is a Go-based threat. The U.S. Social Security Administration is impersonated in attempting vishing attacks. Black Snake in the ransomware-as-a-service criminal market. More Silicon Valley Bank-themed phishing. Caleb Barlow from Silete on security implications you need to consider now about ChatGPT. Our guest is Isaac Roth from LeakSignal with advice on securing the microservices application layer. And Russian operators exploit an Outlook vulnerability. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Friday, March 17th, 2023. Researchers at security firm Redacted say the ransomware gang Bian Lian has shifted its primary focus to data theft extortion rather than encryption. As part of its pivot, the gang has been putting more effort into tailoring their ransom notes to specific victims. Redacted says, In several instances, Bian Lian made reference to legal and regulatory issues a victim would face were it to become public that the organization had suffered a breach. The group has also gone so far as to include specific references to the subsections of several laws and statutes. While the applicability of the laws to the victim and their data, referenced by Bian Lian, would need to be assessed by the courts, at first glance, the laws referenced by the actors did in fact correspond to the jurisdiction where the victim was located. Akamai is tracking a new Go-based botnet the company calls Hinatabot, which is designed to launch DDoS attacks. The malware is still under development, and the researchers believe its creators are attempting to imitate elements of the Mirai botnet. Akamai says, There have been numerous public attempts to rewrite Mirai in Go, and Hinatabot appears to follow a similar structure of some of these attempts. For example, the way Hinatabot sets up communication in its main method and the way it parses commands and begins attacks in its attack methods resemble the structure used in other Go-based Mirai variants. Armor Blocks yesterday released a report detailing a vishing or voice phishing attack impersonating the U.S. Social Security Administration. Researchers report that the attack begins with a phishing email. The email purports to be from a sender under the name of Social Security Administration 2521. The email utilizes a sense of urgency to get the victim's attention, 
claiming that the user's social security number was suspended due to erroneous and suspicious activities. Included is an attached PDF file claiming to be a letter of suspension that appears when open to be on the letterhead of the Social Security Administration. Included at the bottom of the file is a phone number for contact information if the user requires help. The hacker's end goal of the phishing attack is to get the victim to call the fraudulent number and reveal sensitive information. Netscope has published a report on the Black Snake ransomware-as-a-service operation, which first surfaced in August 2022. A new version of the ransomware was observed on February 28th, containing a clipper module designed to steal cryptocurrency information. The malware appears to be targeting home users rather than corporations, since it asks for ransom amounts as low as $20. As a result, the researchers suspect that Black Snake is perhaps still under development or that they don't have affiliates at this point. Inky describes a phishing campaign that's impersonating Silicon Valley Bank with phony DocuSign notifications, stating, Email recipients are told that the KYC Refresh team sent two documents that require a signature— KYC is a banking term that stands for Know Your Customer or Know Your Client. It's a mandatory process banks use to verify an account holder's identity. Of course, in this case, the fisher is using it to convey a sense of legitimacy to its intended victims. If the recipient clicks the link, they'll be taken to a spoofed Microsoft login page designed to steal their credentials. And finally, more researchers have been following Bear's spore through vulnerabilities. APT28, the GRU's fancy bear, has made considerable use of an Outlook vulnerability, CVE 2023-23397, against its targets. Cybersecurity Dive reports that attacks using the exploit have been used against organizations in Ukraine, Turkey, Romania, and Poland since last April. Deep Instinct offers a detailed account of how the exploitation has played out in the GRU's cyber operations and concludes with the following advice. While we found evidence of attacks starting in April 2022, there is a possibility that it was exploited even earlier. Due to the fact that we used only publicly available data, the actual scope of attacked targets could be much higher. Microsoft attributed the attacks to a Russian-based threat actor, However, public evidence might suggest another threat actor exploited the vulnerability as well. Since the attack does not require user interaction, we urge everyone using the Outlook application to patch their systems as soon as possible. We also suggest running the PowerShell script provided by Microsoft to find retroactively malicious emails in the Exchange server. CVE 2023-23397 is unusual, because it doesn't require user interaction to trigger exploitation. As researchers at Huntress, who've been investigating the vulnerability, point out, once an infected email arrives in a Microsoft Outlook inbox, sensitive credential hashes can be obtained. We point out in full disclosure that Microsoft is a CyberWire partner and that Redmond offered both a patch and other remediation advice for Outlook users in this week's Patch Tuesday. Microsoft Threat Intelligence has also discovered what it characterizes as a limited targeted abuse, note targeted abuse, of a vulnerability in Microsoft Outlook for Windows that allows for new technology land manager credential theft. Microsoft strongly recommends that users apply the update. 
The vulnerability only affects products that use NTLM authentication, Microsoft explains. Online services such as Microsoft 365 do not support NTLM authentication and are not vulnerable to being attacked by these messages. Coming up after the break, Caleb Barlow from Silite on security implications you need to consider now about ChatGPT. Our guest is Isaac Roth from LeakSignal with advice on securing the microservices application layer. Stay with us. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Microservices Container Architecture is a system of software development that allows developers to write and deploy individual services independently of each other. It generally allows for fast, reliable deployments and makes it easier to scale services up or down as needed. Isaac Roth is CTO and co-founder of data exfiltration prevention and remediation company LeakSignal, and he joins us with insights on securing the microservices application layer. Microservices is an architectural pattern that's a way you would build an application. And it speaks to something about how the inside of it is implemented, where the functions that make up the application are divided into services. In the past, these might have been called functions or subroutines. But these days, they are divided into what's called services. And each service operates and runs in a cloud environment uh, separately. And what's the benefit of choosing this approach? 
right? And there is debate in the world about whether it's a good approach, mm. uh, but it's been uh, it's been embraced by many many teams. And some of the benefits that people get from this are the separation of concerns. Um, so if you have a, a service which handles updating a particular part of the customer profile, or you have a service that updates inventory, those are kept separate. And the main thing that that allows people to do is achieve development velocity. So a team can be working on update inventory and a team can be working on update customer profile and they can work really quite independently of each other and they can iterate. They don't even have to talk to each other that much as long as they they share an, an API understanding. So this leads to development velocity. And then the other thing that it helps is that the separation means that a different team can use like like a team that's uh, doing shipping versus a team that's doing ordering can uh, both interact with the update inventory service independently, and they also don't have to be tightly coordinated with each other. So it really leads to the ability to scale uh, development efforts and work more quickly. And so what are the downsides then? The downsides are operational complexity. So there's more pieces that have to move, <laughs> more things that must be uh, operated and maintained. And we have frameworks that have emerged to help with this. So Kubernetes is one that is really common in various cloud Kubernetes services. The one that I worked on, Red Hat OpenShift, is a, a clear leader there that help orchestrate the runtime complexity of having so many microservices um, that that loosely coordinate with each other. Well, let's dig into some of the security concerns here. What, what, what are people uh, keeping an eye out for? Yeah, so if you look at microservice security, it's maybe helpful to think in layers that, that correspond to the traditional layers that we might be used to in a, in a previous architecture. So the equivalent of the system layer which would be servers in the or, or virtual machines, is now the the kind of container layer. So the the infrastructure layer is what it's called here. So in microservices, you would have the Kubernetes or the infrastructure or the cloud layer. Then you've got a networking layer. In the old days, that would be sort of switches and routers and things. Um, in this architecture, that's all a virtual network, and that layer is actually called the data plane. So it's it's running on top of that other that older stuff switches and routers those are still there but they're all virtualized and now the services talk to each other over a data plane and then you have uh, the application code and all of its dependencies and so many people think of that as kind of the app layer that would map to uh, traditionally what you would experience at the app layer so I think it's helpful to think of like those three layers in terms of the runtime and then other traditional things that you would have such as perimeter security uh, also exist and aren't too different in this environment. Um, it's just that the the middle is quite a bit more complicated because rather than sort of an app running on a server or an app running on an, a, a cluster of app servers, uh, that is now this constellation of microservices that are all speaking to each other over a data plane and running on a dynamically scaling container orchestration system. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> what, 
what what are the common approaches here for folks to secure this type of system? How are they coming at it? Yeah, so there's there's a new category of product that's uh, emerged kind of at, at each of the layers. So one of the things happening in perimeter security is that some of that is coming into being kind of native or cloud native in the so cloud native is a term that un, unlike what people immediately think that means native to the cloud, it, it specifically means uh, the Kubernetes architecture and, and the surrounding ecosystem. So some of the perimeter security stuff that would have run in, let's say, firewalls and, and uh, CDNs has, has come closer in to run inside the infrastructure. Um, at, the, at the lower layer, the infrastructure layer, there's a set of uh, products that help to secure that. So CSPM, Cloud Security Posture Management, and CNAP, a cloud native application platform security pl- products. Those, those are helping to secure that. Then there's the data plane layer that needs to be secure, so the, sort of the new networking layer. And that's where our company, Leak Signal, along with others, try to help. And then the app layer is really about the, the supply chain of the code and sort of static analysis on the code, which is not too different than it used to be. A lot of the tools used from other architectures are still irrelevant there. What are your recommendations for, for folks on the security teams who, who want to work with their development teams to make sure that uh, that everything goes smoothly here? Yeah, this is... Um, I think what you just pointed out is is the recommendation is that uh, it's security teams need to learn about this architecture, and well, it's fun. There's something new here, and it's exciting. Um, so I find it fascinating. It's if you lived through a previous technology transition where there was new things to learn, um, you know, maybe it was Java app servers or maybe it was uh, VMware virtualization. This is another one, and it's fun. There's really cool stuff, and and the scale is is better, is bigger, and the 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 tooling is neat. So definitely, just learning about it and asking the developers to show you how does this work, um, what are some of the consoles, what is some of the information available. So the collaboration is important as as it has been in previous architectures, and then realizing that there's new tooling needed, um, and that stuff has to plug into existing. Processes. So whether you use our thing, leak signal, or any of these other things that help with the different layers, those still have to operate in the existing enterprise security environment. So they have to connect in. They have to be configured with the same sort of policies. Um, they have to be customized to the particular needs of the business, as with anything. And that's what the security professionals add. Um, so the collaboration is understanding the technical. Uh, operational runtime environment and then translating the security policy and posture into that environment, probably along the way adopting the various tools that are needed to help secure this environment. That's Isaac Roth from Leak Signal. And joining me once again is Caleb Barlow. He is the founder and CEO at Silit. Uh, Caleb, great to have you back on the show. Uh, hot topic these days is, of course, ChatGPT. Uh, and I know you've got some views on this, some uh, some information you'd like to share, potential security implications here. What do you have for us today? Well, if you haven't checked out ChatGPT yet, 
Um, I'm surprised you're listening to this podcast because it's more popular than a Taylor Swift concert, concert right? <laughs> Certainly in the, among this crowd, yes. So, so I'm going to assume <laughs> most of this crowd has already played around with it and is probably using it to write most of their emails, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I really wanted to kind of position this and say, okay, what are some things we need to think about as security professionals right now, now that we've entered this chat GPT world, which let's face it, is as significant as the invention of the smartphone or the personal computer. Now, hmm. the most obvious issue is that phishing now becomes spear phishing. So, you know, remember the Nigerian prince that used to write you all those phishing emails circa 2005? Sure. You know, needing to exfiltrate money from the country if you would only help him. Well, guess what? The Nigerian prince now has chat GPT, and it is so easy to write a spear phishing email. It is mind boggling. With perfect English, perfect, yes. uh, you know, not, a lot of those red flags are gone. So just to give you an example, again, for the uninfranch, you know, for the folks that haven't tried this yet, I went out on social media and I said, I need to find something very unique about Mr. Bittner that I could use for spearfishing him. Uh-oh. And, and I found out <laughs> that you yeah. happen to be a world expert on Jim Henson's Muppets. Uh, I know a thing or two, yes. <laughs> so I asked ChatGPT, because remember, you can't ask ChatGPT to write a phishing email. It'll pop up a right. little thing and says, hey, you're not supposed to use me for that. It's, you know, yes. it's a violation of the EULA, which, of course, everybody really worries about if you're into cybercrime. Um, right. So I said, hey, ChatGPT, write Mr. Bittner an email from a high school student working on a project on Jen Henson's Muppets. Okay. And tell me if you'd click on this. Yes. Mr. Bittner, I hope this email finds you well. My name is Sandra. I'm a high school student currently working on a biography of Jim Henson for a school project. I came across your name as an expert on Jim Henson and the Muppets, and I was hoping to ask for your help. I'm particularly interested in learning any little-known stories or interesting anecdotes about Jim Henson and the Muppets that I might find might not find in a typical biography. I know you have a wealth of knowledge and experience on the topic and would be grateful for any insights you could provide. In addition, I'd be very grateful if you could look at the biography I've written so far and provide any critiques or feedback you might have. I'm always looking for ways to improve my writing and research skills, and I value your perspective as an expert. I look forward to hearing back from you. Sincerely, Sandra. Tell me you wouldn't click on that. <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker, Caleb. Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> I mean, now, understand, the only thing with this was one prompt of, well, two prompts. One, Dave Bittner yeah. is an expert on Jim Henson and the Muppets. And two, yeah. write a, a – well, I didn't say phishing email. Write an email on my high school project. Everything else it did on its own. So yes. here Stroked is the – my ego. Yeah. I mean, it pushed all my buttons. Of course. Why wouldn't I help this person? And why I, wouldn't I you be click on the attachment? Yes. Yes. Right? I, yes. I know you well enough to know you would totally fall for this, right? I would. Yes. Okay. I, you're absolutely correct. I would. So here's the thing, folks. You have to change how your executives and your team thinks about unsolicited email anymore. Any link, any attachment is now prasada non grata because you are going to get stuff like this, and it's going to take a whole of a nanosecond for your average fisher to become a spear fisher now with ChatGPT. So first things first, you got to educate your executives. Not all emails need to be responded to, especially if they're unsolicited. And anything now from an unknown source has got to be questions. 
Yeah, I, I think you you got to, what, what's the word for it? Um, uh, pre-detonate those links, yes, right? <laughs> absolutely. And you know what? There are tools that will do that. But also, yeah. if you're the CEO, the CEO no longer opens unsolicited email. Hard stop. Some mm. staffer with a throwaway laptop, ideally, you know, a virtual machine needs to be doing this. Uh, it, it's it, seriously it's in just an island in an island in the middle of the atlantic exactly i mean this <laughs> right, stuff is right. just way too dangerous um it's also you know every salesperson is going to be using this to you know solicit sales calls now too versus the you know random blast thing but the biggest issue i see is your intellectual property so you know remember the the thing that's so incredible about these tools is not only are they powerful for writing but they're learning based on what you ask for and your response to that. So there's a mm. feedback loop here. So let, let's just say, you know, you happen to have the secret formula to a soft drink that you've developed, right? That no one in the world knows. And you're writing an internal memo about the ingredients. You put that into chat GPT, it's going to learn it. Um, mm. And I think we really run the risk either with this or future variants of AI tools where, you know, I mean, think of something really simple like a recipe, right? Okay, you've got a secret ingredient. It's now going to say, hey, I, I know Dave puts this ingredient in. Why right. wouldn't Caleb be interested in that ingredient? And the next thing mm -hmm. you know, your IP is out there. So, look, I can guarantee you, guarantee you, your IP is being put into chat GPT these days because mm. it's just so good, especially if you're one of these companies like, you know, like, you know how Amazon writes out all of their, you know, they don't use PowerPoint. They write everything out in long form for their internal memos and what they want to yeah. do next and their strategy. All that's going into chat GPT because it's just, <laughs> it, it's going to save you hours of writing and grammar. So the thing that I think we have to think about and the way we have to educate people is that putting something like this into an AI tool is the equivalent of handing it over to another person. That's the way we have to think about this is almost like it's a salient being, meaning that would you give highly confidential materials to another human that wasn't associated with your company? No. You know, should this be in your non-disclosure agreement in the future? Probably. So, right. you know, and, and I can imagine that the industry will eventually respond and say, oh, you know, you're, you work for a big company like Amazon. Let's give you your own variant of one of these tools so that, you know, whatever you put in never gets sucked up in the learning process of the tool or only used within your company. Yeah. So educate your people, probably start thinking about, you know, contract mechanisms, um, recognize spear phishing attempts are going to get very real. And the other thing is executive protection, you know, not just for the board, but for their extended family. One of the challenges with, you know, I'm talking about like, you know, public company executives where you really need to be worried about their security. Again, this is just so easy to craft something that's going to get a family member's attention. You've got to think about EP in a very different way. And, and I know a lot of CISOs, that's part of their uh, part of their patch. Yeah. All right. Well, it is a cautionary tale for sure. Caleb Barlow, thanks for joining us.
Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Be sure to check out this week's Research Saturday and my conversation with Bar Block, threat intelligence researcher at Deep Instinct. We're discussing their work on chat GPT and malware, making your malicious wishes come true. That's Research Saturday. Check it out. CyberWire Podcast is a production of N2K Networks, proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Liz Irvin, Rachel Gelfand, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Maria Varmasis, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Millie Lardy, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Catherine Murphy, Janine Daly, Jim Hoshite, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, Simone Petrella, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. 
Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Cyberwire. 